0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 4 Star Classic. After another week of recording delays, because nothing can ever be easy in this life. We are sitting here on a Saturday, Halloween day, finally recording this episode of the Four Star Classic. Uh for today's episode, you know, we don't got too much to talk about. We're gonna talk about this week's episode of Dynamite, and we're gonna talk about a little pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell that WWE did this previous weekend. So, before before we dive into this episode of Dynamite X, you got anything you want to say?
1: Happy Halloween! Hope y'all having fun celebrating. Please stay safe. Don't be stupid. Don't do anything stupid tonight. Maintain your social distance. Other than that, Happy Halloween! Let's get to
0: it. All right, I agree with everything you said. We're still in a pandemic. Please remember that. So, look, I thought about going to this episode. We're recording. And I thought, you know, maybe we'll because we usually don't start with the Dynamite review. We usually get into something else and then do the Dynamite review. But I don't got any little side gimmicks or side segments because I'm fired up for this episode of Dynamite. I was fired up watching it Wednesday. I was fired up Thursday night, Friday night. And here we are Saturday afternoon. I'm still fired up over this show. So this show, it opens. We got a cold open. It's Warlow and MJF doing a backstage interview. The MJ, the interviewer is like, oh, Warlow, you know, if you win this match, you know, you advance to the finals and you 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 could possibly win the AEW World Championship in your future. How do you feel about that? And MJF, before Warlow can even say anything, cuts my man off and says that if Warlow wins the title, it's MJF's title. Cause MJF pays Warlow so anything that's Warlow's is MJF's. And Warlow just look at him like yep. like, like <laughs> bitch, what He's just looking at him. So then Sammy walks up and says he's going to make sure that MJF never joins the inner circle. And MJF says something and he was like, oh, what are you going to do about it, Sammy? And Sammy just looked at him. And MJF was like, oh, you're not going to do anything. He's like, no, I'm thinking about everything I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. which look i don't know about you but i felt like this was a great way an intense way to start off the show and i feel like it set the tone for the whole night
1: i agree i that's exactly how i felt because we have we haven't really talked about this we like to save our raw reactions for the podcast but that's exactly how i felt you open the show up and njs like man if warlow was the title it's mine and warlow's just sitting in the back looking at him like i wish you would he got a snake face on. I'm like, yeah, because th- we've talked about that on here before. It's time to let Wardlow go. He's working right now, but if he's going to get let go eventually. We'll talk about his match. You know, open the show in a second, but it's time to let him go. I appreciated that. The Sammy promo was fire. Sammy Guevara's promos, in my opinion, have gotten so much better since he got in like the he was like He was still a cool guy, still a cool wrestler, but his promos weren't really good. Working with Jericho has helped him phenomenally so i enjoyed his promo and it helps set up stuff for later uh, in future dynamites or later in shows that they do so that was a great way to open the show a very int- t- intense way to open the show and then we hop right into Wardlow and adam page which another dude, phenomenal god dude
0: of- this match went fucking crazy so before we get into this match i just I was sitting there, and MJF, you know, is talking reckless, and Sammy's like, oh, what are you going to do about it? You know, you know, you know you're know, you not going to do anything about it. And I just, I don't feel like Sammy's a dude to say that to, considering Sammy has unintentionally tried to kill Matt Hardy like eight different times. Yeah. Like, this dude stabbed Matt, gave Matt Hardy a puncture wound, through just crushed his brains into nothing. He's opening up hard. He's oh, he's opened up Matt Hardy hard way like four different times. I just don't feel like because what, what Sammy Sammy's gonna end your career. That's that's what Sammy's gonna do about it. Yeah,
1: and look, I I like this side of Sammy though. Like obviously we never want anybody to get hurt. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about the character.
0: Yeah, the intense I, side. I,
1: I, I, yeah, I like his development in the character. That that mean streak. I love that. Yeah. and it fits perfectly, especially in the inner circle.
0: Yeah. So. This this Hangman-Warlow match, oh my god. Yeah. Alright, so the first thing I noticed, because I have, like, a three-page Word document full of notes I took during the show. Like, I just had my laptop in my lap, and I was just typing as the show happened. So the first thing I noticed, where it says Hangman on the butt a Hangman's pants, it lights up. They did, like, a close-up on it. And there's hmm. lights where it says Hangman. I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I, they did a close up of it in his entrance and I noticed that. So dude, alright, so they're they're in the ring. They're just Wardlow is hammering Hangman. I mean Wardlow is letting him have it. As I wrote my notes, Wardlow effing rules. Cause he does. I mean he's throwing him like a rag doll. They go to the outside, and Wardlow just hits the meanest spear. I mean, this rivaled a Goldberg Rhino spear right here. And Warlow, he spears Hangman through the barricade, and Hangman just beats the count by a 9.8. I mean, that's Because, look, everybody knew going in that when the tournament was announced, we all knew it was Kenny Hangman in the finals. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, are they going to have Hangman get counted out? Are they going to take Warlow to the finals? And because the ref threw up nine and he was not close to the ring. Whoa, whoa. I, I couldn't believe it. And then he got in at like 9.8. And Warlow, he's throwing Hangman around. Warlow goes to do a top rope choke slam to Hangman, who then proceeds to chant to reverse it into an over the top rope armbreaker. Yeah. Going f-ing crazy. So, of course, Warlo- heyman has got to break the armbar because, you know, they only get a – is it a 5 or a 10-count AEW? I think it's still a 5-count, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I think it's 5-count. The tag, they have a 10-count. But, it you know, 5-count, yeah. he's got to break it. So he broke it. And this man, Warlow, does a swanton bomb off the top rope. <laughs> yeah, he did. This dude did a swanton bomb. Now – Granted, Hangman moved out of the way, but it's just a fact he did it. Yeah. He should like he shouldn't be able to do that. He's too big. <laughs> yes. So then, right after that spot, Warlow gets up and uh goes to do a German suplex on Hangman. Hangman lands on his feet and they do the cactus clothesline to the outside. I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, they'll this is the cooldown period. No! Right after they do the cactus clothesline Hangman hey climbs into to the top rope and does a moonsault! Yeah. Onto the top! Or onto the outside! I, I, I'm, I'm marking out in my room while I'm watching this. So they throw Warlow back in and this man, hey, he does a running shooting star press. Yes. And then he gets a one count. When he kicked out at one, I lost my mind. It, this man kicked out at one. Yeah. So then, Hangman tries to hit the Buckshot Lariat. Warlow reverses it, hits a clothesline, and I mean, it God, it was a m- mean clothesline.
1: Yes, yes it was.
0: And gets a two count, and then he he picks him up because the F-10 on Hangman, I'm like, oh my, there's no way he kicks out of the, there's no way he kicks out of the F-10. No way. And then, he rolls out of the ring. They're up on the top rope again. Hangman throws Wardlow off the top rope across the entire ring. They cleared the entire ring. Yeah. And then Hangman hits two buckshot lariats, pins him, and is moving on to the finals. But, oh, my God, Wardlow looked crazy strong in this match. Yep, as he needed to be.
1: It was a match both ways because you protected Wardlow because it took two finishers to beat him. And you you still got your baby face over in Hangman Page. A phenomenal way to open the show.
0: God, Ward, dude. Like, I, and I think, because I'm such, I'm a big Wardlow guy. And I think him looking so strong in the opening match is what made me feel so crazy. Like, it kept my energy pumped up for the rest of the show. Yeah. Like, because it got me hype off the bat. And I just don't, I don't think that ever faded. uh uh-uh. so, I would agree. So yeah i i thought this was a great way to start the show like i i was going crazy twitter was going crazy and it it was just a great opening match but hangman did win and is moving on to the finals of the aw eliminator tournament at full gear so after this we get a mox promo and Let me just say, this Mox and Eddie Kingston promo, or this feud, is so good. Yes. Yes, it is. You know, Eddie Kingston's been signed for, what, three months? Something something like that? And the way these two have built this promo makes you feel like you've been watching these two dudes for 15 years. I mean, the way they build these promos, it makes you feel like you've been, like, they're talking about their journey and the time they spent together. It makes you feel like you were there the entire time for it. Yes, it does. Because Mox cuts a promo and he says, everything in AEW, everything, it's been business. He says he's got a title to defend. He's here to win championships and defend titles. It's all It's been business for him. It's never been personal. Until now. He said this match, he doesn't know, this isn't the Eddie he knows, and it's personal for him. And that Eddie will not have anyone else to blame except himself when he says, I quit. So. Of course, you're not gonna have a Mox promo without an Eddie promo to answer it. Mm-hmm. So after this, they aired that video package, and then uh Eddie Kingston comes out. He's got a ma- They they announced it earlier in the week, but he's got a match against Matt Sydal. I believe it's Sydal's Dynamite debut. I think it is. I, yeah,
1: because he had the the botch at the pay per view, and he's been on Dark a lot. Yeah, he's so been it, working Dark,
0: but this is his Dynamite debut. Yeah, and so. Uh, Eddie comes out, he's got Bunny and the Butcher and the Blade with him, which makes sense because the Lucha Bros are preparing for the main event tonight because Penta is facing Kenny Omega, so they're preparing for that. But Bunny and the Butcher and Blade are with him, and Eddie, he's got a mic, and you know it's, you know whatever he's about to say is going to be money. So he's like, Mox, Mox isn't here, he's a coward. And he's going to go on a side tangent, and he looks at the ref, or he looks at the cameraman, and he's like, Get out of my ring, you ain't ever trained here, get out of my yeah. ring. You in your here. It's like, get out of my ring. I'll like dude. At this point, i am sitting in the living room and I'm like,
1: my like my whole my like my full attention is on the TV. Yeah. Like I'm sucked. And he's like, he just treated the cameraman like that. Bro, that's wild. Like he said, get out of my ring. Uh, oh, okay. Like that, that made me pop in my living room. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is money. Again, just this another day as usual for Eddie Caseon and Moxley. Yeah.
0: So yeah. not. Cause look, after he went to the camera, he like he looked a glance at Justin Roberts. I was like, bro, leave him out of this. Leave yeah. him out of this. So then he goes back and he says, you know, after he moves on from the moxies, like because he turns his attention to Sidell. And this is what I like so much about Kingston. It would have been so easy for him to just come out here and completely bypass his match with Sidell and focus yeah. on the full gear match. But no, he's got a reason to hate Sidell too. Yeah. He was like, Side down, tried to steal my thunder in the Casino Battle Royal. You little, you know, you're the little Joker. He's like, you tried to steal my thunder. And he goes, he goes, oh, yeah. By the way, I was never eliminated, Lance. Yeah. Because Lance and Eddie have been going back and forth on Twitter.
1: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Jake Roberts and Lance were in the crowd, too. So they cut to them. And it's just like,
0: yeah. I can't remember if they cut to them in the promo or, uh, during the match but I know they did cut to him. Um the one thing I didn't like so the comment this match starts and commentary keeps talking about Kenny Omega versus Penta in the main event tonight. Which you like I get it you want to hype up your show but don't do it during another match. You know you're basically sitting there saying, "Oh yeah, well this match doesn't matter. Stick stick around for the main event." Make this—it's your job to make all the matches matter, you know. Yeah, like I just that that didn't rub me the right way. I I don't I don't know why they felt the need to mention uh Kenny and Penta in this match. Like that seems like something that they could have cut to a segment to later. Like they could have just cut to a sh- you know how they will do the shots of commentary where they like explain something in the show. It feels like they could have just done that. Yeah. So the match is going on. You know, it's, they're going back and forth. I mentioned that, or I heard him mention that, and this may be true because I don't watch dark. You know, we've talked about we don't watch dark. It's nothing personal. We just don't really have the time to. Seidel's a submission guy now.
1: He might be. I That's
0: have it. no idea. Because I think he tried to lock in a submission later in the match. He but- did. Now that you say that, I'm pretty sure that he did because it's been a couple of days since I actually watched the show. Yeah, and so. commentary was mentioning how he's a submission guy now, which yeah. I mean, like I said, he might be. I've always known him as the high flyer because I have watched him as Evan Bourne in WWE, so yeah. he might be a submission guy now. But I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. The my my biggest takeaway from this match was it was a great match, very solid match. Eddie and Sydell, their styles are obviously very different, but they worked well together. That's one that's one huge thing I always see in AEW is the styles mix so well and it's yeah. so it's great to see and it's very much appreciated because it gives you different matches each week. Yeah. But Eddie won the match with the bulldog choke. Why is that important, you ask? Moxley uses the bulldog choke to fence people too.
0: Yeah. And he, so, he wouldn't let go of the hold until you know, Seidel said I quit.
1: Yeah. So I, lo- I love the symbolism. Like. They went a, like it's like a racetrack, they went around, but then they just looped it back together to make sure that every every single piece of the story is tied in. The symbolism in the Bulldog Choke now is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. I guess the, boys, the match is going to use the Bulldog Choke. Oh, yeah! So that, like, I just that little detail really stood out to me, and I love that. The match was solid. Eddie won, obviously, hyped up the match for full gear. They're gonna have a face to face next week, Eddie and Mox. And I, I'm so I'm so hyped for full gear, man! I'm so ready.
0: So during this match, uh, Eddie Eddie kept looking at the ref and kept telling him to watch side Yeah,
1: like
0: hey, watch Sidewell, and the ref just looks and I'm like, what the fuck do you want me to do? He just and that's like I love he's like he keeps barking at the ref to watch Sidewell, and the ref's like, what the fuck do you want me to do? <laughs> um. So, of course, they're talking about the I Quit matches coming up at full gear. And JR just starts rambling. And, you know, when JR starts rambling, you never know where it's going to go. And we found himself rambling about a, a, you know, back in 1989, there was a there an I Quit match that I called. And it, God, it was one of the greatest matches I ever called. You know, I love it more than any of the bullshit we're doing in this company. And commentary, they just kept running down. Old, I quit matches, which once again is just a pet peeve of mine. Because I get why you have to, you have to build towards your pay per view, but I don't like ignoring the match that's happening at the moment to be, to talk about other matches. That's just something I don't like.
1: No, I understand. I'm not. I'm not as big as commentary as Austin. I'm not as big on commentary as Austin is, as you can tell. Like I don't. When I watch the show, obviously I listen to commentary. I peep stuff I like. I peep stuff I don't like, but I don't like, I don't really write down notes about commentary. That's just me though. Like, I'm not saying it. That's just me. So, but I understand where you're coming from. I do, because it discredits the match in the ring in a way, but I, they could definitely do a better job. I, I feel you on that.
0: Yeah. So then uh, after the little I quit uh, rundown by commentary, it cut to picture and picture and as y'all know, I don't watch Pitcher in Pitcher, but I looked up, and they had a little fucking Pop-Tart commercial. <laughs> them Pop-Tarts had me feeling different. All right, them Pop-Tarts, they had the chocolate fudge, because they're the, the little bites, you know? Yeah. And God, dude, it, it made me want to go get in my car and go get some Pop-Tart bites, because they look good. Uh, so we come back from Pitcher in Pitcher. Sidell does like a knee strike, head kick combo, and gets a uh, two and a half count. Then he does a top rope scissors into a diving knee drop and also gets a two and a half count. And then Eddie gets up, hits him with the spinning fist. Uh they cut the camera to Lance and Jake in the crowd. And then he puts in the bulldog choke. He won't let go of it until he says I quit. And then after Sidel says I quit, he just keeps mumbling, I'm sorry, Mox. Which I thought was just awesome. Yeah. I mean that's just, just that's just really Kenny cool. Omega. They're not. More, yeah. God, what the f- am I talking about? That's just Eddie Kingston. I don't know why Kenny. See commentary, dude. Then bringing up Kenny and Penta got me sidetracked. <laughs> well, that's just that's just Eddie Kingston.
1: Yeah. I, no doubt.
0: I ended my notes for this segment with I still don't get why they took Bunny away from Butcher and Blade in the first place. Yeah. And if anybody yeah. can give me a good reason as to why, I'll listen to it. But
1: well, at least we're back to where we need to be now. That's yeah. all that.
0: It's like, I just don't get why we ever had to be here. Yeah. So after this, Excalibur, uh, they go into an interview that Excalibur did earlier in the day. It was a sit-down interview with the Bucks and FTR. So mm-hmm. uh, Excalibur was in person with the Bucks, and then FTR was there virtually. And, of course, they were with Tully. Yeah. And so uh, Matt says his ankle's fine, and the term dream match gets brought up. And FTR, they're downplaying it. They're like, you know, it is a dream match, but we didn't come here to compete in dream matches. We came here to win championships and be the best tag team there is. Which fits perfectly into FTR's gimmick. Uh, FTR, for no reason, Excalibur goes to ask a question. He's like, now Matt, we know. And FTR cuts him off and was like, yeah, yeah, you do know Excalibur because you only work here because they're your friends. It's like, I... All right, that felt kind of forced. Yeah. That felt kind of forced. Uh, and the Bucks, they're like, you know, we don't regret. They're like, they're not happy with how they've acted over the past couple weeks, but they don't regret it because they said they need that edge. And that FTR messing with their friends made the old Bucks come back. Um, FTR gets really upset and says that they're just not needed in this promo, and Excalibur doesn't deserve to have them, so they just leave the interview. Yeah. And then the Bucks say that they've always bet on themselves, and they're going to continue to do it by putting it on the line, and if they don't win the titles at full gear, they will never challenge for the tag team titles again (sighs) to end the interview. I don't know about you. This whole thing just seemed off. The pacing seemed weird, and it just seemed off to me.
1: I didn't mind FTR walking out on the interview. I didn't because, as you – like, I feel that fits their gimmick very well. The interview, it was okay. It wasn't great. I'm going to focus my main talking point on if the Bucks lose, they're never going to challenge for the titles again. Um, I have very mixed feelings about this, and I'm going to explain why. The Bucks are obviously one of the frontrunners, I guess you could say leaders of the company. So I can very easily see them losing the match and not challenging for the title again, similar to what Cody did. But at the same time, I feel like you kind of backed yourself into a corner because you're one of the company's biggest draws, just like Cody is. So yeah. I, I'm not going to say that I don't like it, Because I want to see what they do first, but I don't think it's necessary, if that makes sense. Now, Cody doing it with Jericho was fine because it wasn't necessary, but the the build-up to full gear was a little quicker last year than it was this year, so it kind of added something to the match. We've talked about this multiple times. You don't need anything else in this FTR Young Bucks match but the two teams.
0: That's it. You don't
1: which they're doing, it with, they're doing it for the titles. That's fine. I'm not mad about that at all. But I don't think you necessarily need to say if the Bucs lose we'll never challenge again because that just, like I, I understand the point of the Bucs and Cody have already made it and they both want to give the young guys a shot to win the title. I totally understand that. But I I have to say the selfishness is in me wants to see Cody with the world title one day and wants to see young Bucks with the, tag titles one day so I have very mixed feelings about that and I'll say that other than that the interview was okay like you said a little off but that that wasn't what I took away I took away the end point of the interview when they said they wouldn't challenge if they lost again that that's what really got me from that segment
0: yeah I you know I agree with you I don't really feel like it was needed you know it just it, it didn't it feel like they just added it to, like the draw the story's already there Like, it doesn't need a, if I don't ever challenge, like, with Cody and Jericho, like, it worked because Cody was giving up everything, like, and there wasn't a story that had been building there for years. This story between FTR and Bucks has been building for years between multiple companies.
1: Yeah, and I'll say this. I don't hate it at all. I don't dislike it. I've thoroughly enjoyed this promo, and I think the match is going to be phenomenal. I've been waiting for this match forever. I just don't as I said, I have very mixed feelings about the, if they lose, or are not going to challenge.
0: It was just, it was so awkward to me how the whole interview was because
1: yeah, I feel like, like at the whole time, this whole program is, the whole, like the whole like program's kind of been awkward in a way because the Bucks haven't really, they've been heel and baby face and then they haven't been, and then has always been the same, but they've been like doing little backstabbing stuff here and there. So yeah. I feel like it at the same time, but I get what you're saying too. It right. was, it could have been better, but at, we can say that about everything if we're going to nitpick. So, like I said, with
0: uh, like I agree with you that I don't mind FTR walking out of the interview, like I feel like them walking out fits the interview or fits their gimmick. It's just it came at a point where it didn't make sense. Si- like, it'd be different if, like, you know, usually you see this happen with ex, like the interviewer will make a backhanded comment, yeah, or compliment. And then they'll take offense and leave. Excalibur didn't do that. He was just asking the but like he asked one question to the Bucks, one question to the FTR, and then was going to ask the second question to the Bucks, and they just got pissy and left. Yeah, it just it didn't make much sense to me that they walk like in the moment. It didn't make sense for them to walk out. They could have done a better job to build why they like they didn't have a reason other than they just left it just it felt just kind of off to me and and it wasn't off to where like it killed my energy like it didn't kill my energy for the show it was just kind of one of those all right that felt kind of weird because like last week it was very obvious that the best friends and miro kip sapien thing that killed my energy that like this didn't do that to me. It just felt kind of weird.
1: Yeah. I I can I can totally understand that. But with that said, just to round this out, very excited for the match. Think the match is gonna be great. I've enjoyed the program. We'll see if the Bucks lose or not. Um I don't I honestly don't know. I think it's a 50-50 coin flip. but we'll see. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I'm gonna keep saying that throughout the show. November 7th, is uh,
0: it's gonna be a great day. Yeah, so after this, we get a segment that brought all the energy back into the show. It was the Inner Circle Town Hall Meeting, hosted yeah. by Tony and Dasha. Uh, so Inner Circle comes out first. It's Santina and Ortiz, or Santana and Ortiz, uh Sammy and Jericho. Hager's not here because he got an MMA fight. I believe that was yesterday or the day before, and he won by decision. Yes. Um. So, you know, props to Hager. You know, any person that can win an MMA fight is that dude. That's, those dudes are crazy. Nothing but respect to MMA fighters. Um, I am so over Judas. I was I was having this debate with my friends the other day. Because I, I have a couple of friends, Nick and Trent, that I'm in a group chat with. And... We were debating Judas, and person they they don't have any issue with Judas and the fans singing it, and I do. Uh, it it feels forced to me, and I'm just burnt out on it. I'm tired of it. It feels like when it happened naturally, it felt fine, but now it just feels forced. And it feels like they're like, all right, like they, it's like they addressed the crowd before the show. They're like, all right, y'all are going to sing Judas tonight or you're never coming back. And then to top it, to top it all off, to make it worse, the guns were singing and the guns piss me off. I don't know what it is about the gun family, but anytime they come on my TV screen, they just anger me. As I wrote in my notes, I said, get the effing guns off my screen. I think it was Billy and Austin were just, Billy, I'm fine with. Austin Gun pisses me off. You know, he's just singing Judas. Okay, look, dude, you're on the babyface side. You're not supposed to sing Judas. That's a heel thing. But I digress. No,
1: I. we're totally on different ends of the spectrum with this one. I love the song. I love the singing of the song. I have zero issue with it whatsoever. I, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm over it. We're on total different as a spectrum on that one.
0: I no, like, it yeah, ain't. I, it ain't never gonna be no break the walls down. Let me just say that. I, it nah, it ain't. ain't never gonna be no break the walls down. Break down like it ain't ever gonna be break down the walls. It can try, but wow. it's never gonna be there. Nah, love the song. Have have no issue with it. But look, let me say it's about the town hall. Much,
1: much, 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 much better than the dancing segment we got last week, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I much better. I left. I left this segment smiling, laughing, and I got what I wanted at the end of it. I like also is going to break it down for y'all, but th- this this segment right here was straight fire, straight fire.
0: Yeah. So. NJF uh, comes out, and he's by himself, which makes sense because Warlow had the match. Uh, so they have a little, like, podium set up for people to ask questions because that's how a town hall works. Mm-hmm. So Luchasaurus is up first, and I was wondering, you can see the whole time they're doing entrances, you can just see in the bottom of the picture Luchasaurus, the back of Luchasaurus' head. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing there? Like, what? So then. They say that he's up first and it and it makes sense. Uh yeah. so Luchasaurus is just being a dickhead for no you're like, yeah, well, you know, since I have a master's degree and you don't, MJF. Uh did I mention I have a master's degree? I have a master's degree. And and I, I love Luchasaurus, so it's not like a knock on him. I just thought it was funny. Um He's like, what can you do to add to the economics of the inner circle? You know, how how can you help them economically? Uh, and so mjf points to the tron and he's like yeah so economics i can do this and he's got a he's got a like a chart yeah. and it's showing like the spiky chart that the inner circle has been on now and then he's just got like a just a Horizontal line just going up, and it was like that's what I can do for the inner circle. It's green too, just just to draw
1: just to have a little money attached to it.
0: Yeah. And he's like, you know, that's what I do, that's what I add. You he, he goes, I would add a lot of money. And I'm like, uh, all right, you know, all right. So uh then the next question
1: he's a financial advisor, you ain't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got he's not just a he's got all the financial advisors. Yeah. he said he's got them all so then Britt Baker and Reba are up and they've got a question for Jericho and before Britt Baker can ask the question Reba dude she starts simping over Jericho <laughs> Yeah, like, yes, yes. oh my god Mr. Jericho you're so hot oh my god oh, and Britt Baker's like get your shit together Reba she's like get your together now and, like, Reba, like, I didn't think she was going to make it through the segment, bro. She she ready to risk it all for Jericho, which I don't get why, because he donated to Trump. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, Baker Britt Baker asked Jericho how he feels about MJF's checkered past with friendships and backstabbing. So, of course, Jericho being Jericho is like, Britt, that's, that's a great question. But I'm not a dipshit like Cody. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> what did yeah, Cody ever do to this? We're like, we're back. <laughs> like, y'all didn't have to bring Cody. Y'all could have left Cody out of this. Um, and he basically looks at MJF and says, if MJF tries to backstab him, that they will kill him. Like, they will stab him in the an alley and kill him. He's like, Santino and Ortiz, they're from the streets. They will kill you, you will die. And, of course, MJF's like, whoa, 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 buddy, buddy, buddy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. He's like, we're going to get a lot of green and a lot of gold if we are all together. So then the best question of the night comes. Peter Avalon. Yes, sir. Fresh fresh off his blow-off match with Brandon Cutler on AEW Dark. He walks up. He goes, well, I'm just going to shoot my shot. (laughs) <laughs> Can I join the inner circle? They laughed my man off the podium.
1: Man, they kind of looked at each other for a second, and they all just started laughing. I was like, "God!"
0: It reminded me. Do you remember that segment from like 2008 or 2009 when DX got back together for one night on Raw, and it was Triple H and Shawn, and then Hornswoggle came out from under the ring. Yeah. And was like, can yeah. I join the can I join DX? And then Boogeyman came out. And was like, I'm the boogeyman, and I'm seeing if I can join DX. And then the great Khali came out. And that's what it reminded me of. So I thought I liked it. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I did too. Uh so they laugh him off the podium, and then the star of the segment. I'm back! And better than ever, Eric Bischoff, Easy e is back on Dynamite. He walks up, he's got the Eric Bischoff grin, and he says he's got a three-prong question. And I thought, <laughs> oh, God, I don't know if we got a 3 pronged Tom segment. Yeah. So he name-drops JFK, you know, does the whole, it's not what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country, that whole thing. And he asked MJF what he can do for the inner circle. Uh, and MJF says he can give him friendship. And Eric's like, all right, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. So then Eric asked, what the, what, asked MJF what the inner circle can do for him. And MJF goes, well, you know, I've never been a great team player. and And joining the inner circle, that can help me be a team player. Which, I honestly, I think they're going to play that into an MJF Warlow thing, because he's supposed to be a team player for Warlow, and he's just not. Yeah. So then uh, Eric, in the preface to his last question, calls Jericho a prima donna. And Jericho yeah. starts freaking out. He's like, I, I am not! And Tony, Tony Sabani goes, Chris, shut up. <laughs> no. <laughs> shut up. He said, Eric is asking the question. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> so, Eric's like, how can you two get along and not kill each other? And, and Jericho or MJF's like, well, well, you know what, Jericho, you start answering questions. He's like, MJF's like, I've done everything I can to you. And what haven't I done? And Jericho looks at him and goes, you've never beat me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Jericho lays out the challenge. Jericho versus MJF at full gear. And if MJF wins, he's in the inner circle. And this man, Ortiz, (laughs) he grabs the mic. He goes, look, MJF, I don't want you in. Sammy don't want you in. Santana, he's on the fence. And they cut to Santana, and he just shrugs his shoulders. (laughs) He goes, he's on the fence. But me and Sammy, we're going to make sure that you don't. Make it to full gear. You're never gonna join the inner circle. So next week it's Sammy and Ortiz versus Warlow and MJF, saying that MJF's not gonna make it to the pay per view. this dude? I that when they when they were like Santana, he's on the fence. That <laughs> dude, that was so funny.
1: Yeah, like it's like you said. This segment was it was phenomenal. Straight and fire. The breakdown. Eric Bischoff coming back we all know I'm a big Brent Baker fan reba uh, she she she's a little much can we can we can I, can we talk about that for a second can we please start calling her rebel again
0: please uh, rebel reba it don't matter On, Does it matter like,
1: oh, uh, okay D- just checking so like the segment was fire and then like the the Peter Avalon moment and then, like you said with the with the ortiz brothers, it was phenomenal so we could go to the town hall and we cut to a Team Taz promo. And I'm going to let Austin take over because, you know, he he Team Taz all the way. Yeah, hey,
0: Dobby, you <laughs> suck. So, at first, I just thought it was a dark recap. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were showing Hobbs's match on dark because Team Taz was on commentary for it. And I was like, why are they doing a dark recap? They don't ever do this. And then it transitioned to a video promo. And Taz was like, Hobbs, you good, brother. You real good. But I'm an impatient man. Brother. Yeah. And if you don't give me a decision, we're gonna beat you up, brother. He was like, stop, stop interjecting yourself where it doesn't matter, and do the smart thing and join Team Taz, brother. Because if you don't, we're gonna kill you and we're gonna kill Dobby. And Dobby, you suck. He's like, Ricky, Ricky Starks, he's better than Dobby. The pat the the machine, Brian Cage, he's better than Will Hobbs. Hobbs alright, but Dobby sucks. Team Taz would win. <laughs> uh, hey, I could, I couldn't hate on him. Yeah, he, he's a nah. straight shooter. He said it is what it is. He's like Hobbs. I need your answer, brother. Let's go. He's like brother, what's brother. What's up? What's up, brother? So then we get into the TNT title match. So it's Orange Cassidy uh, versus Cody. Mm-hmm. Cody's got the entrance way from the heavens. Yeah, you know the, oh, you know the little Halo Two opening you know, wrestling has more than one royal family. And, you know... That game, don't you? I'm not hating on Halo, it's just, this dude's in the prelude to Halo 2 right now, in his entrance. Yeah. So, this dude's got a whole... He's got, like, Prime NWO coming to the ring with him. He's got (laughs) Arn, Dustin, QT, Brandy, pretty sure I saw Tony Khan somewhere. So, i I say it every week, and I'm not going to stop saying it this week. Turn him heel! I am so tired of watching a babyface Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Turn him heel! God! So, Dark Order's mixed in with the Lumberjacks. Uh, Trent, Chuck, John Silver, Hobbs, those are just some of the Lumberjacks that I noticed. So, <laughs> before the match starts... Orange Cassidy takes his jacket off, and throws it to the outside. And John Silver takes it and starts stomping on it, <laughs> just going crazy. And yeah. dude, I can't remember what Jr. was trying to talk about at the start of the match. This dude started stuttering hard. This dude, he was like, "I, you know, or uh, Cody, uh, it's gonna be a great match." I was like, "Today, Junior," which. It's kind of messed up because with his ball with his Bell's palsy, I can understand how that would be hard to like get speech out sometimes. So my apologies for that. I just kind of now put that together. Um, but he started stuttering. Uh, they mentioned that Orange Cassidy was trained in Lucha Libre style, and I like I kind of thought that was cool. I did not know that. Like it makes sense, but I did not know that he was trained in lucha style Mm
1: -hmm. i think they mentioned it before but i always like the the element to the match because it it helps it helps build up his style because it makes so much more sense when you actually know that i i thought this match was fire the lumberjacks on the outside were doing their thing i mean the dark order is straight money we've already been over this and they're they're one of the lumberjacks and the match just progresses on and then this man john silver pump kicks the absolute crap out of Orange Cassidy in the corner. And he's in the ring flexing. He's like, hey, I'll pump you. Yeah. And then Cody comes in, hits him with the crossroads and that's all she wrote. And I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, I'm not going to get my Orange Cassidy match at full gear. But John
0: Silver getting a pump kick on Dynamite was fire so I'm okay with it. Look, so, um, so there was one point where Cody hits a move. I think he hits a Cody Cutter on Orange Cassidy. Yeah. This man ripped Jack Swagger's whole push-up gimmick. <laughs> this dude starts doing push-ups in the ring like All American American. Yeah. Yeah, and dude, they, hard cut hard to, hard. they cut the they cut the Arn. goes, <laughs> get serious. Yeah. He throws the Waffle House menu down. So. The Lumberjacks were pissing me off in this match. Specifically, specific specifically Marco stunt. Anybody that knows I hate Marco Stunt. I can't stand Marco stunt. They're sitting there, and Cody is going to pick up Marco Stunt. Or go pick up Orange Cassidy for a suplex. Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy start smacking the ring apron like it's a momentum spot. You know, where the crowd, like, they'll start smacking the ring, and everybody will start clapping for the moment. It wasn't a momentum spot. It was a suplex. Stop smacking the apron. So, uh, there was, so Orange Cassidy was in the ring. He had, like, dove onto the Lumberjacks and got back in the ring, and Cody hits off the ropes, runs past Orange Cassidy, and Suicide dives outside of the ring, and nobody was there. Yeah. He just landed on his head. Nobody was there. Like, what? I don't know if they somebody blew the spot or what happened, but there was nobody there.
1: I'll, I'll say this. There was a spot where the best friends are in the lumberjacks, right, and Orange Cassidy falls off the apron, and they catch him, right? Yeah, yeah. So the same thing happens, like, five minutes later. And they catch Cody, and they look at, they look at Cody, and look at each other, and I'm talking, they straight dropped this man on yep. the floor. Like, it, it, all you hear is. Yeah, straight dropped him. Oh it's like, well, I, I thought that was hilarious. But.
0: And then they threw him back in the ring, and the rep had his back turned, and Trent hits Cody with the meanest forearm <laughs> ever. He said, get over here. And Cody, of course, kicked out after for two because he's not. <laughs> you think he's taking? He think he's? Do you think he's taking a three count? Orange Cassidy's finished? No. Yeah. <laughs> orange hit the swinging DDT. He came out to. I put in my notes in all caps. Someone tell Marco and Jungle Boy to stop smacking the effing apron in all caps. So I'm gonna guess they started doing it again, and it pissed me off. Uh, they did the cactus clothesline to the baby face side, and like QT and uh. Dustin pick up Orange Cassidy and the best friends pick up Cody and they just kind of look at each other and nod and throw him back in the ring so they went pitcher and pitcher whatever Uh, Cody was getting jumped by the Dark Order and pitcher and pitcher and Orange Cassidy saved him and then TH2 jumped Orange Cassidy (laughs) and so of course the Lumberjacks go into the big brawl and it kind of like I've always noticed it but it dawned on me Billy Gunn is huge yeah. This dude dwarfs everybody else out there. Dude is built. Yeah. So, Orange and Cody do a top rope suplex onto the pile. Um, Then Cody and OC both get big two counts. So, going, like, tying into the finish, Silver comes in, like you said, and hits the punt kick. And then, Orange is dazed and Arn reaches through the ropes and clocks him. And Cody didn't see it. Yeah, Arn clocks OC. Cody hits the crossroads, wins, and then it kind of just fell apart. They, or it's like Cody can't believe he won. Him and Arn like retreat up the ramp and just looking at the ring. All the lumberjacks start brawling. They cut to Darby in the rafters. He's not Sting. All right, this isn't 1997. All right, why is he in the rafters? (laughs) Why? And then I cut, they cut the camera back to the ring. Billy Guns hitting the Famouser? On, I think it was like 10 or somebody?
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise
0: me. Why are the guns getting moves in? <laughs> Why? I, look, man, I,
1: I don't have as big of an issue with this as you do. I don't know. I don't I said, know.
0: I wrote, the guns are getting moves in. What the F? Well, that was the ending. I, yeah, I didn't like, it didn't, I was just like, why is Billy Gunn hitting his finisher on an episode of Dynamite? Yeah. So after this, we got an Alex Marvez interview. <laughs> those are always great. No, those sound so excited. And then, not only is it Alex Marvez... It's the best friends, Kip Sabian, and Miro again. I was like, oh, brother.
1: Nope, I'm starting this thing because-
0: Go ahead, surprised. go ahead, put it over. I'm burying no. it.
1: Look, this was so much better than last week. What did I come on here and say last week? If you want to do a backstage interview and do the video game thing, it's then brawl, fine. That's exactly what this was. Miro and Kip Sabian come like, well, we forgive you for breaking the game, and blah, 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 blah. And then the best friend's are like, okay, cool, like, shake hands, and then it's like, no, and they start beating the crap out of me. I have no problem with that. At least there was something to lead to the fight and not just the stupid broken video game. All right, that's See, all. that's my
0: all thing. thing. Everything goes back to the video game. Everything goes back to Miro being a Twitch streamer. Because... Look, they give him the presents, right? And they're like, oh, you know, we got you some makeup presents. Penelope's like, trick or treat. And Trent's like, I got to here, neither. <laughs> and then they attack him, and Kip opens the present, and what is it? A motherboard off the arcade game. Yep. This all goes back to the fucking video game. Like, all four of these guys are talented, individually. And even as a team, they are talented. I just hate that an entire gimmick is that he's a Twitch streamer.
1: I, I'm just I'm, I hate it. <laughs> I'm very happy they at least had just a backstage brawl to give me something. That that's all I'm saying. I'm there like I still don't like the whole video game thing, but at least they gave me something. If they're gonna wrong with the video game, which obviously they are, at least they gave me the backstage brawl. I was very impressed. I,
0: I, I will I will agree that. with that. I will I'll agree with that. I will agree with that. That they're I'll say, well, I don't like what they're doing. At least they're doing something, you know. And we
1: context to it now, so yeah. that's how I look at it. Because obviously, this is going to be a mid card match somewhere down the line. It might be on a pay per view. I'm not sure. I wrote the card down, but no, it's gotta...
0: um. I'm pre- Oh wait, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I had a different match. They, they announced a different match for next week. I thought it was this tag match, but it wasn't. I think it makes. It would make sense if it's on the paper. Paper. Yeah.
1: I don't – when I wrote down the card Wednesday night, it's not on here yet. We'll run that we'll, – I'll run that down when we get done talking about the show, but I don't think it's on there yet, so we'll see what they
0: do with it. I don't know, but
1: once again, I thought it was a, a much better this week than it
0: was last week. Yeah, I just – I don't care for Alex Marvez, and I don't care for the storyline, but I will agree that the Penelope – the when Penelope said trick or treat and Trent just like looked at him and was like neither of that I I popped for that I thought that because Trent I I really like Trent like Trent's just awesome so I I uh, I, I did like that little quip yeah. so after this bro all right so that's Serena Deep who I believe it was what Tuesday night she beat Thunder Rosa in NWA for the NWA Women's Championship. And she's defending it here against Layla Hirsch. Oh, uh, one, you don't see either two of these women on the show, usually. So I really cool. like that they're opening up the talent roster.
1: Yes, me too.
0: And I uh, I hope this leads to a talent exchange between AEW and NWA. I feel like that could benefit them a lot. Because while AEW's got all these Japanese talent exchange partnerships, they don't really have anything in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I really thought, I really think that'd be cool if they got a challenge or a talent exchange set up, kind of like how WCW New Japan used to do back in the '90s. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. These two went crazy. Yes, yes, they did. I this 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 match was a pretty good little match. Uh. Because Hirsch, the big thing with uh Layla Hirsch is she's a she's an amateur wrestler. That was her background. And bro, she gets a headlock in and she's holding on to this thing for her dear life. Yep. <laughs> and I loved it because it it built on the amateur, like they'll always be like, oh, this dude's got an amateur background, and then like he'll do a headlock for 30 seconds and then try to go do like a top rope moonsault. She yeah. was like, no, I'm not leaving my feet. I'm going to get you down this headlock and I'm going to ride you on this headlock till you, I win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at one point in the match, they said they were going to pitcher and pitcher, right? Except two and a half minutes pass, and they're still not in pitcher and pitcher. It's like, they got the cue wrong. They're like, yeah, we're going to uh, pitcher and pitcher. And then like two and a half minutes pass, And then Jr. goes, yeah, now we're gonna go to uh this this restaurant quality pitcher and pitcher. What the fuck does that mean? What what do you mean restaurant quality? What what does that mean? Do do you no. know what that means?
1: No, I don't.
0: I that was like, alright, so it goes from as like I don't know when. But at some point during Pitcher and Pitcher, it just goes from Pitcher and Pitcher to a normal commercial break. Like, I look up, and it's Pitcher and Pitcher, and then I look up, and it's just a normal commercial break. I was like, alright, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So, Serena Deeb wins by tap out. Uh, You know, we all knew Deeb was gonna win, because this Matt, this title was for the NWA women's title. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's Oh wow. Okay. So this isn't wrestling related at all, but Trevor Lawrence will miss next week's game against Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, I just got that. For those of you for those of you that listen to Stone of Up, Mitchell.
0: Well, we'll catch, talk that'll we going we're gonna talk about that. Catch my thoughts Tuesday. Yeah. So um Deeb wins by tap out. And I thought it was I thought it was a really good match.
1: I I wrote down, simply, very impressed with both women. I thought the match was phenomenal. I thought it was great to see new women wrestling on the show. Like Austin said, phenomenal match. The amateur background really fit well with Hirsch. Serena Deeb, you can tell, she just got that it factor. That's the reason she has NWA's title right now. I love the match. Great, great, like, great, great for the show. Great yeah. for the show. Always, they always need that women's match. They still need another one, but we're not. I'm not going to go there this week. So, well, we won a second, honestly. But great match, very sound, very fundamental. Serena Dee's got the it factor. Hirsch has a very bright future.
0: Enough said. So, um, I'll introduce the next segment, and then I'll I'll let you give your thoughts because I I got I'm pretty worked up about this. Yeah. So, after this match, they, they cut a backstage interview with Sheena, and they go, Nala Rose has been the number one contender for a month now, but she refuses to wrestle you until you grant her a title match. So, Sheena goes, you know, if you want me, you got me. You know, basically you want some, come get some, and challenges Rosa to a match, or er, challenges Nala Rose to a match at full gear for the women's title. Your thoughts. I I feel like I say the
1: same thing every week, and I feel like I'm going to say it again. Nothing against Serena Deeb and Layla Hirsch. Nothing at all. Like I said, they had a phenomenal match. They got, what, 15, 20 minutes of TV time?
0: That was probably like 10 to 12. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Which I mean is pretty good. For a for yeah. a two hour show, I mean that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. So but the women's champion in your own company gets 30 seconds. a 30 second interview. Um, needless to say, that didn't sit right with me. The interview she does fine. Like she's Japanese, her English isn't great, but she knows how to speak. She's fine. The interview was fine. It was just you gave her thirty seconds. Now let me get to the real meat and potatoes of this of the problem I have with this. As you said, Nala Rose was a number one contender for a month. Okay, makes sense. Everybody else is hurt. Brett just got back. Statlander's still hurt. Makes sense. Didn't have a problem with that. Makes sense. What got me was Nala says she refuses to wrestle until you grant her a title shot.
0: <sighs> she wants to go wrestle anyway.
1: Nyla hasn't been on TV since I don't know when. And if I'm being honest, it's a cheap cop-out to say why Nyla hasn't been on TV. That, that's just the truth. Like There's been no build-up to this match at all. And the women are still going to go out there and put on a heck of a show Saturday night when they, have, when they have the match. I guarantee it. The match will be good. The match will be great. But they didn't get any buildup, which diminishes the match. Once again, your own women's champion got a 30-second interview. And arguably, there's no arguably. The other one of your top five women stars didn't even make an appearance in the interview. And she's in the title match on the pay-per-view. And you stated she couldn't wrestle because she wasn't going to wrestle until she was granted a title opportunity. Under normal circumstances, I've had zero problems with this, but that—that's a cheap cop out for hey, she's not going to be on TV this week or next week. Here, this is what happened. This is what happened in full gear. Take her to leave it. The match will be great, and it's nothing against the women. The booking for this was
0: terrible. Your thoughts? You know, not not. So they say Nala Rose has been number one contender for for a month. I mean I don't know how cuz she hasn't been on TV in 2. Uh You know the la- the only time we've seen Nala Rose on TV on Dynamite. Don't 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 I don't I don't care about Dark. Is Dark are, are they getting paid millions by TNT to air Dark on YouTube? No. Is Dark pulling 800,000 to a million viewers every week? No. So, you have Dynamite, nationally broadcasted program, two hours a week. The last time Nyla Rose was on TV was when she was in the Cody Dark Order brawl before the dog collar match where she started beating up random women. So, is it cool that Nyla Rose is the number one contender? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the match will be fine, you know, it's whatever. You had so much time to build this. You had so much time. And you just didn't. I don't get the thought process. Like you said, it's cheap. You know, if anything, and it makes no sense because Nala hasn't been doing anything. How is she number one contender? On what basis is she the number one contender? Because, if anything, it should be Britt Baker. Yeah. And at this point, I love Sheeta, but at this point, just put the title on Britt Baker. Because that's obviously the only woman that they're going to make sure is on the show every week. That's, I mean, that's obvious, she's obviously the only one they're going to make sure gets put on the show every week. So just put the title on Britt Baker, because at least the champion will be on TV. I just... It's cheap. And... My thing is, um, I don't really think you get a refuse number one contendership. Yeah. If they say, oh, you're number one contender, and you say you refuse, they go, okay, well, you're disqualified from number one contendership. Number two is now number one. You know, imagine imagine you're in the NFL, and they're like, all right, you got to play Kansas City in the divisional round playoff game. You're like, no, I refuse. They're like, all right, Kansas City moves on to the championship game by forfeit. yeah i just it it just bothered me because there's so much more they could have done you know oh well they didn't have a lot of time what 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 do you mean they didn't have a lot of time they run the company they book the show and they just didn't book the women until they got themselves in a corner like they did and had to find a match for full gear. I just thought it was cheap. I it pissed me off. You had all the time in the world to build this match and build a program and build an actual feud. You know, you know, oh, there's not much they could have done with Nyla and Sheeta. Okay, then don't do Nyla and Sheeta again. Build an actual story between Britt Baker and Sheeta. Yeah, you know, as we're like, oh well, they don't have a storyline. Here's a magical idea: you run the company, get a notebook, and get a pen, and write a story. You you run the company. It's like, oh oh, you want you want a women's feud? Oh, so you want Brandi Rose to do a flipping senton onto the Dark Order? Okay, we got you. We got you. It's like I just—I don't get it, dude. I
1: don't either. It's giving me EA Sports level type of vibes, and if you play Ultimate Team, you
0: you understand that reference. So yeah, um, you know, EA Sports. F your packs. AEW. F your women's division.
1: I'm gonna say it again. It is nothing against any of the women. No, not at all. This is a, a fully a booking issue. Love all of them and they're all good at what they do and they all have the talent to be great. It's just the booking is terrible and quite frankly it's not acceptable.
0: Yeah, it's it's a booking issue.
1: It's not it's not I a talent would, issue. I would rather them be on TV every week and have the story be garbage than to not see them. Yeah. Them just be honest.
0: At least they'd have a story. Exactly. But Whatever we give this rant every single week, and I and I pray that there will be. A, oh, I pray that a time comes where we can't give this rant anymore. Yeah, I truly do.
1: Me too. I I'll say this: there's enough good people in the company; they'll eventually get it right. I just don't know what's happening because I know Kenny was running the women.
0: I don't know if he still is. I don't have enough my research. I don't. Research. So. I'm I, don't so, know. I don't know who's running. Nobody's running the women's.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, nothing
0: is the women, fully a booking issue. That That's it. So after this, Sean Spears, like, I, I had to make sure I was still on TNT. Sean Spears is actually on Dynamite. Yes, sir. The homie Sean Spears on Dynamite. Yes, sir. And then he's facing against this dude named VSK. And he hits him with the loaded glove and pins him in like 25 seconds. I was like, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's what we're going to do so uh he hits him he's in the ring a costume guy starts throwing candy at spears this is so obviously scorpio sky <laughs> like he he goes to throw his candy and the sleeve comes up and you can see that his arm is black it, it's very clearly scorpio sky and the commentator tony Shimon's like who who is that who who oh, oh. he's because he's in like a what, like a bull costume? I honestly don't remember. I just remember him being
1: in costume.
0: Yeah, they was in a bull costume, because Tony's like, he's grabbing this poor random bull and throwing him in the ring! And then he goes to get the loaded glove, and Scorpio Sky takes the head off, and it's obviously Scorpio Sky, and commenta- commentary's like popping out, like Moxley's just lost the world. They're like, oh my god, it's Scorpio Sky! um. Uh, so, Sky totally's like, hey, Sean, don't turn around. Get out of the ring. Don't don't turn around. Sean is like, who the fuck are you talking to? I'm going to turn around. And then Sky hits him with the TKO, and they cut to announce some matches they got announced for next week. Er, so, Silver versus OC. So, John Silver versus Orange Cassidy got announced for the buy-in for the pay-per-view. Uh, Miro with Kip Sapien is facing Trent with Chuck in a one-on-one match next week. Uh, Scorpio Sky is facing Sean Spears on Dynamite. That doesn't... I don't get why they're having the blow-off match one week before the pay-per-view. But... I mean, I guess you can't have everybody on the pay-per-view. So it makes sense. Cody... Cody and Gun Club are facing John Silver 5 and 10 next week in a six-man tag match. And Eddie and Moxley are having a face-to-face. Yes, they are. You know, somehow Billy Gunn and Austin Gunn have found themselves on AEW television.
1: Look, shout-out to the homie Sean Spears. I've been a huge fan of Sean Spears ever since he got... Ever since he was in with Ty Dillinger in WWE, as Ty Dillinger and WWE, I love Sean Spears. This is simply nothing more than they're getting Scorpio Sky into his singles action, which I'm very pleased with because we've we've both said on this podcast it needs to happen. And Sean Spears has said on multiple occasions he's not going to win any more matches. He's just going to put people over yeah. because he's he knows he knows his career in the ring is almost done. Which mad props to him. I loved his match with Cody when it first started, and I liked him as Todd Dillinger, like I said. So mad respect to him. Other than that, you covered everything. Scorpio Sky getting a singles run match next week.
0: Let's make it happen. So uh, it's main event time, mm-hmm. and I knew this match was gonna hit different when Kenny comes out and his dancers have lucha Lib- or luchadora mask on. Yeah, and I said, "Oh, this dude's an asshole." Yeah, I I was like, "Oh, here we go." So, they mentioned that Kenny won in 26 seconds last week, and at first, I was hot, because Kenny was wrestling in a shirt, and I was pissed. Yeah. I was like, why does this dude have a shirt? Somebody tell him to take his shirt off. So then, him and Pinter are jawing at each other, and this dude, Kenny, raises his shirt, and he's got the AAA mega title on that he won by beating Pentagon Jr., I said, oh, yeah, this dude's going crazy. Yeah. Dude, Ray Phoenix, dude, Ray Phoenix was about to charge the ring. Ray mm-hmm. Phoenix was hot. He said, concussion or not, I'm active. So um. Kenny Kenny lays the title down and tells him to cross the line. I was like, oh, he's going to go to TNA, cross the line. This dude takes his shirt off, and they do, they do the chop spots. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, I wrote, yeah, this gets me going. So they do the chops. God, they chop the piss out of each other. They, God, they chop the piss out of each other. Yeah. Uh, they're doing the kit. They're doing the chop spot, and Pentagon goes to do a chop, and Kenny just hits him with a jumping knee strike right on the chin.
1: Wait, look, like, let me show you real quick. This dude, Kenny Omega, has the stiffest knee strikes. Oh God. Every- And look, I'll say this: Kenny's been doing this for years. It like he does it so seamlessly. It's I don't I don't think we appreciate how dangerous that move is. Because if you do anything wrong, you're giving the guy concussion instantly. And he does like five of them a match, and they're all flawless. Yes, I just probably out there before we move on because I I think we see. I think I I find myself in moods where I don't take wrestling as seriously as i should i think from a performer standpoint because i get caught up in the entertainment and just the storylines but i sit back and i think i don't think i could give somebody a suplex and i appreciate it so much no oh god no i couldn't so like that i just want to throw that out there before we move on because i feel like i get in moods like that and i was in one of those movies watching dynamite wednesday and i was really thinking i was like huh kenny's real deal kneeing dudes in the skull and not hurting anybody something needs to be said about that."
0: Yeah. So, oh, I just want to throw that out there. So, they went to pitcher and pitcher. And once again, I said, pitcher and pitcher. I'm not paying attention, big man. So, uh, we get back. These two are bumping like crazy. I'm bumping all over the ring. So, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Penta doing it to Kenny or Kenny doing it to Penta. But they hit two Snapdragon suplexes in a row. And I lost my mind. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Uh, And. So then, dude, Kenny, God, Kenny went crazy in the sequence. He hits a knee strike into a power bomb, into a knee strike, into a V trigger, into he goes to do the one winged angel, and Pentagon reverses the one winged angel. Like yep. I'm about to lose my mind in my room. And so they, God, dude, they're teasing this spot like they're about to do a suplex onto the ramp. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. somebody's going to die. Please don't do it. So they they don't. They get down, but they're on the ramp. This dude, or I think Penta jumped from the second turnbuckle and did a Canadian Destroyer on the ramp. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, Then Like like they made me think in the Wardlow-Hangman match. I'm thinking, oh, my God. They're going to swerve everybody. They're going to swerve everybody. Penta's going to win because they go in the ring. And they do a, he does a package power driver to Kenny, dude. I swear to God, he was an inch from dropping Kenny on his head. Yeah, he was an inch from kill from paralyzing Kenny Omega. I swear to God, I I was like, it made me grimace because I thought he did. I thought he wasn't gonna move. Yeah, he kicks out at two. Kenny, I just wrote Kenny. God, these knee strikes are brutal. Uh, he goes to do the one winged angel again. And Penta reverses it into the arm snap. uh, It's like 8.58. They've got like two minutes where they go off the air. I'm like, y'all pushing it, big man. Y'all pushing it. Uh, Kenny finally gets the one-winged angel, drives him with it. One, two, three. Like with 30 seconds to spare, they get the finish off. Kenny versus Hangman at full gear. And that ends Dynamite. Yes, it does. I was fired up the whole show. I mean, y'all can tell with my review, this is probably the most energized I've ever been in a review for Dynamite. Yeah. I was fired up the whole time. Look,
1: I'm going to say this again. This has nothing to do with wrestling, but Auburn's up 28-3 on LSU right now. Um, Tuesday.
0: That'll, that'll uh, be Tuesday. Tuesday.
1: Tuesday. Tune in Tuesday. We will have some thoughts Tuesday. I didn't forget about you either, Michigan. Yeah. Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm talking reckless come Tuesday. Full gear, up, full
1: gear, updated card. Excuse me, Mox versus Kingston. I quit match, world title. FTR, Young Bucks, Bucks lose, never challenge again. Tag team titles. Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose, women's world title. Hardy versus Guevara in the ultimate, in the the elite deletion. I keep saying ultimate. I apologize. The elite deletion. Cody versus Darby TNT title. Jericho MJF. If MJF wins, he is in the inner circle. Orange Cassidy versus John Force for silver on the buy-in and page versus Kenny Omega in the finals. will get the next title opportunity. Whoever wins that match.
0: Yeah. It's going to be dude. This show's going to go crazy. Yeah. I'm very excited. So after this, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be as fired up for this. We had uh WWE presents hell in a cell 2020. It's from the, uh, the Thunderdome in Orlando. Um, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Everybody here. I uh I watched two matches on this show. I watched Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and Randy Orton Drew McIntyre. So how how do you do you want to just run down this card real quick and then hit the matches that mattered?
1: Yeah, all right. We'll run down the card. Matches right. that matter, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, I quit match, universal title. Um sasha and Bailey, shout out Sasha Banks, SmackDown Women's World title, Randy Orton Drew McIntyre, um WWE title. Other than that, it was the Miz versus Otis for the Money in the Bank. I uh, don't really care. Jeff Hardy versus Elias and Lashley versus Slapjack from Retribution. I I'm not commenting on Slapjack, so we will move on about that. Um but the three matches that matter were Reigns and Jay, Sasha and Bailey, and Orton and Drew.
0: So I I do want to talk about Miz and Otis for a little, like just for a tad second. Yeah, well, I, look, I'll say this. I like the Miz,
1: have no problem with Otis either. I just, I feel like they've killed money in the bank for me, so I just don't care. At this point. Oh, that's, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's that's my whole thing. Yeah. That. So, um,
1: other than that, the match was fine. But I, let's start it off with Sasha and Bayley. Look, I know Austin didn't watch the match, but I did. We've been over this. I love Sasha Banks. No, like, there's no way around it, okay? The match was great. Okay. I was very impressed with the three, I guess you could call them main eventing matches because they all had titles in them. Drew and Orton went last, but there was really three main matches on this card. Okay. Sasha and Bailey hit different for me. Okay. Simply because I got to see Sasha win in the cell. There were spots in this match where I thought both of them were hurt. I'm not gonna lie to you. They were throwing each other up against the cage, they were doing meteors onto the cage. Like it was ridiculous. I don't have like certain notes because we're just gonna hit the high points list because we already know we, we take forever on dynamite reviews, rightfully so. But I just love the match because like I said, I love Sasha Banks. Match was great. Sasha vale, I, I always had that good chemistry. I'm gonna say this: she better defend that title at TLC and she better keep it, or I'm gonna be hot. Yeah. So that that's where
0: I'm at. Um, you didn't watch it, but if you want to give some thoughts, you can go ahead. Um I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch, uh, Sasha versus Bailey and it's nothing against them. I I'm sure it was a great match. I have no doubt. They are very talented. Uh, I listened to, so every week I listen to deadlock, which is a wrestling podcast. I've mentioned it before. And they were just kind of talking about how, um, with WWE now, they're just kind of in a box yeah. with their stipulations, you know? there's not a whole lot they can do that you haven't seen. And I'm going to touch on this more when we get to the Randy Drew match, but especially in the cell, there's not really, like it's just there to be there. There's not much they can do that you haven't seen. And it's yeah. not, it's not a talent issue. It's not a, you know, I'm sure Sasha and Bailey if they came have Sasha and Bayley like, hey, like we're going to bust y'all open. We're going to let y'all get crazy in the cell. I guarantee they would jump at it. Yeah. It's just, oh, uh, fundamental issue in wwe now that everything has to be inside this one little box
1: yeah and it makes it
0: hard to stand out
1: i'll say this i was very impressed with the three matches that were that had titles involved i was i was thoroughly invested and i enjoyed all three of them the rest of the card i didn't really care but i was very impressed because i was on the fence was like "Eh, am i gonna Am I even gonna turn it on or am I just gonna watch Sunday night football? I had both, I had both on. I was watching Sunday Night Football and Hell in a Cell. I had the volume off Hell in a Cell just so I could because obviously we don't have time to watch Raw and Smackdown, guys. I'm just gonna be honest. Like Smackdown I could probably. Drop-
0: I mean, I'm sure I could find the time, but I'm not yeah. gonna do it. <laughs> I just I don't. So um man, I lost my train of
1: thought. But I was very impressed with it was the first time in my life I've ever appreciated the little preludes before the matches in WWE because usually I'd be like, I don't care. I've watched the show all week. This like hell. So I appreciate it. Cause I didn't know what was going on. So um, just a little quick note there. Um, Reigns and Jay Uso. Look, there were some mixed reviews on this. People were kind of mad that they talked a lot. Personally, I'm digging this. Okay. I love the family element of the storyline, 110%. They beat the crap out of each other, too. The both of them beat the crap out of each other. And then the ending to the match where Jay quit just so he could get Jimmy out of the choke was like still the deal for me. So I love the match. Thought it was great. Love Reigns as a heel. Didn't care for Reigns as a babyface. Just because he tried to, they tried to shove him down my throat like they did for Cena for so many years, and it just didn't work for me. So, this match was phenomenal in my opinion. They opened the show and they went the between the match and the story after the match. They they went for like forty five
0: minutes. Yeah, the match itself was twenty nine minutes twenty seconds.
1: Yeah, so I thought it was great when they said they were opening the show. I was surprised because I thought they would end the show, but they made the right decision in them opening the show. Great match. Beat the crap out of each other. Family storyline keeps going strong. I know they did something on SmackDown Friday and we're not going to comment on it because I haven't watched it and I don't feel like reading about it right now. But that's just, that that's my big take on that match.
0: So I, I, I'm a mixture. So I, I want to say that the match was fine. I didn't like, it's, it's, it's all right. It's whatever. My issue is, they did the same match they did at the last pay per view. If yeah, like, I, this I, match was all right, like it was a good match, but if it if they wouldn't have done this at the last pay, if they wouldn't have done this pretty much the same match at the same at the last pay per view, I would have loved it ten times more.
1: Yeah, uh, just just for context, I didn't watch the last pay per view, so th- this was the first time I, I'd ever seen this type of match. Okay. So oh, I enjoyed it a lot more than you did just based off of that point. Yeah. I didn't watch the Champions live. I watched it afterwards, but I didn't watch it live. So watching this live hit me different. Yeah. So that's out of context for me.
0: Cause that's what, yeah, I, me and my sister watched Class of Champions live. Shouts out, Bailey. Um, and this was pretty much the same match they did there, which like, was just kind of – I wish they would have done something more you know or something different that it works but it's the same as class of champions to me so that, that that didn't rub me the right way the talent is fine like they I think they had a spot where like roman is like he's putting fake tears in his eye and he's like you're making me do this and he's like psych i'm going to kill you and i yeah. loved that because it makes him a D-head. and i love that because that's what roman needs to be yes um, I agree that I'm really digging what they're doing with the family storyline because if it goes right, it's leading to Rock and Roman, which should be phenomenal. Um, with that said, I'm sure they'll screw it up because it's WWE. But you know, it is a really good story. They're, do- they're they're telling a good story here, and you know, I will I will never discredit a company for telling a good story.
1: No, oh, and I think that's the biggest thing that's lost in WWE now. Um, I agree. We see that's why we love that's why we like AEW a lot more because one, it's not so PG oriented and the story is usually good aside from the women's division right now, as we spoke, as we touched on. So, and Miro and Kip Sammy, but that's
0: we just talked about Probably that. The Twitch stream. So,
1: yeah, so I feel like that's the biggest, like, which look, I'm sure we'll get into this one day. There is three fundamental problems I see with WWE, and I'm not going to touch on them today. That's just a teaser. We might do that one day. But I feel like if they would fix those three things, we would be they would be so much better. But like I said, I digress.
0: Yeah, I and you know, I saw what you saw on Twitter about do saying they talk too much. I don't feel like they did because that's kind of how this story's like built.
1: That 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 that's exactly They're how mouthing I, off
0: to each other. That it's a family rivalry. I yeah. know everybody's had a family rivalry. You mouth yeah. off to each other. Exactly. So I didn't, you know. I I didn't uh, dislike that part of it. I just felt it it mirrored Clash of Champions too much for my liking. And like I said, yeah. it wasn't a bad match. It was just kind of like a, eh, I feel like I've kind of seen this.
1: The wave of emotion that he went through in the last little five minutes with the choke was amazing, like you spoke on. He was like sitting there crying, and Heyman's sitting there looking at him like, are you serious right now? And then he's like, well, we might not do this. And he kind of lets him go, and he's like, nah, bro, it's time. And he, like, fuck, yeah. No, I'm just like, yeah, like that, that was phenomenal. That the, this might be the best story I've seen WWE do in a, a hot minute, because look, we were talking about this. We texted about this when we got word that they were going to do Jay Uso in a singles match. I was like, for real? I was like, are you serious? Like, I was kind of like, what What's happening? I I've been nothing but impressed so far with the decision. I must say.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that's what it I didn't have that big of an issue with it. It was just kind of mirrored Clash of Champions. When they had the Wild Samoans come out at the end, I popped yeah. hard. The Wild Samoans were like, all right, big man, you're tribal chief. What's up? Yeah. Um. So I just want to touch on, before we get into Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre to close the show, I want to touch on two things. One, The Miz and Otis for the briefcase if you would have just booked money in the bank right, you would have never had yourself in this spot. Yeah. Nobody Everybody Otis was a joke. Alright. I lo- I love I like Otis. He's a good comedy character. Comedy. There's a reason why Santino Marella never like you know how they they teased uh Santino winning the chamber and Santino winning the rumble. Yeah. There's a reason why they teased it and didn't do it. Yep. Because some dudes just aren't world title guys. And Otis is not a world title guy. Um and in 2016, a Miz WWE title run would have been awesome. Yep. It's 2020. Not not the case. I would have rather seen Morrison win it, but you know who I really wish would have won it? I really wish Sami Zayn would have won it. That would have imagine. Let me just lay out a scenario that as soon as I heard they were doing a match for the briefcase, here's what I wanted. Imagine Sammy cheats to get the briefcase from Otis and imagine big E wins the Royal rumble and goes to WrestleMania and wins the title in the main event just for Sammy to cash in and take it away from him. Do you know how awesome that would have been? Yeah, but no, we're going to get Miz and Orton. Hey, 2011 called. They want their story back. Yeah. And then Elias. Elias. So this isn't anything personal with Elias because I guarantee he was fed this line. This is a producer comment, probably a Vince McMahon comment. F you, Vince McMahon. I don't know if he caught this, and I don't know if, I think it was during the pre-show or whatever. They had Jeff Jarrett on the panel. And this whole storyline with Jeff Hardy is built around Jeff is a dirty addict, which is horrible. Awful. And for those that don't know, Jeff Jarrett has also battled addiction, alcohol and drug addiction demons in his past. And he recently is celebrating three years sober. And I want to congratulate Jeff, both Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett on overcoming those demons. Um, I know people that have struggled with that and I know it's not easy. So uh, just congratulations to them. I'm very proud of them for doing that. Absolutely. Jeff Jarrett just posted the other day that he was celebrating three years sober. And Elias comes up during the pre-show and was like, oh yeah, Jeff. I guess Jeff the junkie. And Jeff Jarrett just looked like, you can just see his eyes break. Just completely demoralized him. That's such a BS thing to do. And like I said, this isn't at Elias because I guarantee Elias didn't come up on that line on his own. Yeah. I guarantee he was fed that line.
1: It's safe to say that nothing anybody says in WWE came up with it on their own.
0: Yeah, um, and it's just it's it's garbage. You know that that really pissed me off when I heard that. I agree. It, it's it's not easy to shake those demons, and the fact that he was G just posted about three years sober, and because anniversaries of being sober are are always like a risk point because yeah. they could relapse, and the fact that you go and make that comment that's effed up. And like, I, and I just want to reiterate again that this isn't Eli. Like, this is not Elias's fault. It's whoever wrote and fed him that line. But I digress. Now we can jump into Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre for the main event. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. Um, just out of context again. I, I don't like Drew McIntyre. I didn't like him when he was a chosen one. I don't like him now. Um, it's nothing against him personally. He's a great wrestler. I just don't like him as a character, if that makes sense. It's nothing against, it's nothing against him as a person. I just don't vibe with him. Um, the match was fine. The match was what it was supposed to be. It was two huge guys doing what like, it was like. It was a good match. My problem is with the decision. As much as I don't like Drew... We're really gonna put the title back on Randy Orton. That that's what we're doing. Like that, we're gonna put the title on Randy Orton to get Miz versus Orton with the money in the bank cashing, or however they spend this. Yeah. I don't agree with that. It's nothing against Randy. I have no problem with Randy. He's been around forever, one of the greatest heels ever. It's just they make the whole they make the point all the time to where they're trying to get new guys involved. And then they never do. It always goes back to the old guy, which in certain situations is fine. But I don't think Randy pinning Drew clean here made sense. That's just me. But what do I know? So yeah,
0: I, I agree with that. And, you know, Randy has been having like great work lately, but yeah. I just. I just don't get Why? you take the title off of Drew. Yeah, I don't feel like Drew's done anything wrong as champion.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think he's done everything that he needs to do. Because
0: this, this is the one match that I watched live, and, you know, Orton, he he attacked Drew. He dressed up as a cameraman and attacked him or yeah. whatever. And they get to the top, and Drew knocks Orton down, and he, and he pauses for his photo shoot. And then they do the... Fall off the side of the cage through the announce table, and it just goes back to the whole formulated thing that I was talking about earlier—the the box they put you in. You could take every cell match from the past five years, outside of Shane and Undertaker, and you could—they'd be all—they'd all be the same. Yeah, you know, and it's—and it's not a talent issue. It's not that the talent can't do it. It's just they get put in a box. And it sucks because they're really talented guys. Yeah. It's just, they don't, they get put in a box and they can't do much. Exactly. So, you know, Orton wins the title and you keep thinking, okay, Miz is going to cash in, Miz is going to cash in, Miz is going to cash in. And the show just fades to black. It's like, oh, okay, well, that kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, it's just. Remember a few months ago when Keith Lee was involved in this? Yeah, yeah. Good times. Good times. Yeah. And now he's not even on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Can you imagine Imagine how cool that would have been, huh? Uh, Keith Lee doing the spirit bomb off the cell through the table. Or through the cell onto the ring and then winning the title. Man, that would have been cool. Yeah. Here's 58-year-old Randy Orton. Or however old he is. I just, look, we're going to try.
1: I I enjoyed the show for the most part. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, We're going to try to watch as many of these as we can just for the podcast. Yeah, And there are some high moments. Like, <clears throat> this has been my biggest gripe with WWE ever since I've been watching. It's football season, right? So now they want to start pushing major storylines and putting out good stuff better than what they do during the summer, say so. Like just for example, yeah, and it pisses me off every year because I don't care what you put out. I'm watching my football games one way or another. Yeah. So if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it when your audience peaks, not during Monday Night Football or during the Friday. You're not, you're
0: not winning. Nobody's choosing Raw over Monday Night Football. If no. Like if they're undecided, they're picking football. Exactly.
1: That that's my that's one of my biggest issues. Um, but th- I enjoyed the show for what it was worth. I really did. Sasha winning made me smile. Um, other than that, I the show was solid. It just like I said, I'm not watching TV every week. I'll watch pay per views to get the high points that way we talk about with you guys, but that's about it.
0: Um, yeah. it you know, it, and it, the match is all right. It's just like it sucks that Orton's the champion because and I like Orton, he just he shouldn't be champion
1: nothing against Randy. I, lo- I like Randy as a performer. I really shouldn't
0: do. be champion.
1: It's just,
0: I don't like this. And, and they're, they're saying that, Orton. oh, you know, Orton's a transitional champion. Transitioning to who? Miz? Exactly. Fiend? I don't want either one of them holding the title. Drew is fine as champion. The only two dudes that I want in this WWE title picture come WrestleMania time are Big E or Keith Lee. I, I, that's all I want. Because what would be in a perfect world? Because look, they're doing Roman Rock at Mania. And it's going to be for the Universal title. Like, that title's not coming off of Reigns. Which is understandable. So, I would have Big E win the Rumble. And then uh have him choose the Raw Champion because the Royal Rumble winner you get to the, you get to pick either one uh no matter what brand you're on yeah. cuz like back in like what was it 05 when Batista won they had the big contract signing Yeah when he decided to stay on Raw like and it would fit perfectly because you can give him the redemption arc that he gets to get back with New Day Yep I I just I don't know It kind of sucks well, I kind I mean really sucks
1: Um we'll see where they go with it um We'll I, will, see I
0: will say they're doing um they're doing the champion versus champion stuff again or the brand versus brand stuff at Survivor Series and uh so which means each champion's facing each other so i think right now it's looking like Lashley versus Sammy uh Orton versus Reigns uh Montez Ford versus new or not Montez Ford Street Profits which Montez Ford is a part of Street Profits versus New Day Oscar versus Sasha, I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably watch Survivor Series. It looks like it'll be a good I'll, show. I'll watch Survivor Series. And, I mean, I it looks like it, like, it, they're giving me reason to watch it. It looks like it'll be good, but I can't help but think that Drew versus Roman would have been such a better match than... Uh Okay,
1: let me throw this off you real quick. Do you think they put the title on Randy because they don't want Drew to get pinned as Survivor Series? You know... I fully expect Reigns to go
0: over. Yeah, I thought about that, and I I I can see that. And I I would agree with that. That, or what may even happen, what I'm surprised, here, like, here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought they would have Drew win, Miz cash in, and then Miz hold it to series, take the pin against uh, Roman, and then put the title back on Drew. But I, I would be shocked if we get to WrestleMania and Drew doesn't have the title back. I will be surprised. Yeah. Because I just, I I do think it played into that, that they don't want Drew taking that pin from Roman. Because Roman's absolutely going over in the main event of that pay-per-view, as he should. I don't think Roman's losing until WrestleMania, and even then, he's going to win Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, well, it'll probably be SummerSlam when he faces Brock, and that'll probably be the first time he loses. Yeah. Which, look,
1: Usually I'd be pissed, but this story's so good, I I genuinely don't care.
0: Yeah, like, there's not a reason to take the title off a range yet. Yeah, exactly. But, Uh, yeah.
1: Just on Hell in a Cell, um, we'll see what happens. They always have some, I'll be nice and call it a head-scratcher moment come Royal Rumble time, so we'll see what they do. Um,
0: But other than that, that's all I got. So just to address a few housekeeping things before we wrap this episode up. So um, as you know, we're both in college. We have about, it's more or less 26, 25 days until our semester ends. Yeah. Um, And so when our semester ends, we're going to be changing the format of the show a little bit. And what I mean by that is we're going to be adding a retro review segment. So this is something that uh, Deadlock does and I thought it was really cool, and so I want to do it on here. Um, basically, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. We will be watching old shows and pay-per-views and then giving our thoughts on them and just reviewing them, how we would do an episode of Dynamite, basically. Yeah. Um, This is something we had talked about doing, but, you know, we're both busy dudes, and, you know, X, X is out there grinding them books, grinding his job, and, you know, I was not going to ask him to do wait no i was not gonna ask him to put too much on his plate that would have been selfish of me and i'm not i'm not gonna try to stress my man out like that so that's what you know we talked about it and retro review uh once school ends we'll both have more free time so we're gonna look to do that then absolutely retro review coming soon and so i've already got like a list of i've got a list going in my head of shows and things that i do want to watch but um to y'all listening, if you have anything that you would like to have us watch, uh, you know, comment it on YouTube. Email me Austin Jones1815 at gmail.com. You can tweet me uh at Austin Jones1129. Uh, you know, if y'all have any suggestions or ideas of things you would like us to watch, we are all ears. We would love to get feedback from y'all. But um, yeah, just once the semester ends, we'll have more free time and we'll be able to add that segment to the show absolutely but i believe that's all i've got uh that was x i'm austin thank y'all for listening to this episode of the four star classic